Take your Bibles with me to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. Right after Obadiah, before Micah. If you need to go to your table of contents, that's okay. It's a small book. Very familiar story. I love the book of Jonah. It's a narrative. And I love stories. I grew up uh, reading a lot during summers, reading stories. and but This isn't uh, just a story. This is an actual account of a prophet and God's dealings with him and God using him to bring in, uh, quite arguably, I think, the greatest revival that the world has seen so far. But we're going to unpack these chapters over the next several weeks. And, and um, tonight is kind of an introductory message. I'm going to share some, some facts. And there may, it's going to be more teaching, but, you know, preaching will come out too, inevitably. So if you're there in your Bible tonight, say amen. amen. Jonah 1, start reading in verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. This small book is tucked into the Old Testament. It's one of the prophetic books. The book of Jonah is one of 16 prophetic books in the Bible. The Bible has a variety of styles of writing. Have you noticed it? It's a compilation of different authors over 1,500 years, 66 books within the Bible, written on three different continents. It covers every controversial topic you can think about, yet it is cohesive. The Word of God is the miracle of the ages, one of the miracles of the ages. And the prophetic books are some of my favorite. Um, They're broken up between the major prophets and the minor prophets. And Jonah is one of four minor prophets. The title minor does not mean... Uh, not concerning its significance, but it's talking about the size of his writings. The book of Jonah is unique from all other prophetic books because it is a narrative, uh, as I mentioned before. It records the message that God had given to the prophet for the people. Jonah is a historic story that was told in a dynamic, action-packed manner. Most of you grew up hearing the story of Jonah in Sunday school, right? Maybe you were like me, you saw the flannel graph boards and the teacher would show the whale and Jonah getting swallowed by the whale and, you know, it brings back memories. Well, Jonah was a real man. He's not, it's not stories, it's not fairy tales. Jonah had a father, his name was Amittai, and he was from Gath Hepper. Jonah, we know, was a prophet. What does that mean? He was a man who stood between man and God. He was a man of God. 
Jonah is believed to be the successor of Elijah and Elisha. He, he would have been a contemporary of these great men. He would have been a, a, a man cut from a different cloth. Jonah was a man of God, a prophet. Jonah's prophetic ministry began during the reign of King Jeroboam in Israel. But I want you to remember something tonight that even the best of men are men at best. Even the best of us fall short at times. And the major theme I, I've noticed while studying Jonah is the grace of God. The grace of God that he extends to those who are furthest from him and even some who are close to him. Jonah was a man of God. He was a prophet. And we're going to see he's going to need the grace of God in his life. And tonight we're going to unpack the first three verses of this prophetic book. I want you to notice with me God's call to Jonah. God's call to Jonah. He said to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And God calls this city that a great city we'll see in verse 2. This was a large city. It was built by Nimrod. Uh, anybody heard about him in the Old Testament? He was a mighty hunter, skillful man, but he was a godless man. And he went and he established uh, his, his, uh, uh, a, na a nation, uh, 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 cities. And Nimrod uh, was at the head, head of the Assyrians, uh, uh, the establishing of that. And this city grew to be large in influence, large in numbers. It was known as a city of people that were deep into idolatry and witchcraft. They worshipped the Assyrian goddess of love and war. They were bloody people. Ancient historians says that Nineveh was the tip of the spear. Nineveh was the worst city. I want you to think about the worst cities most violent cities in America. I've been to New York City. I've been to Chicago, Illinois. I, I, we've heard the stories that, you know, down in South LA. I, I remember the first night we moved there when I, we were going to plant a church. My wife, she went off to Target for something and right across the street, I heard gunshot, pop, 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 pop. And I remember not telling her when she came home because I didn't want to make her fearful. What neighborhood did you just move us into? <laughs> But I want you to picture Nineveh. It was a great city as far as numbers, influence. Historians say that it was the foremost city in the world at that time. It was the most technologically advanced. It was a part of that dominating empire. What an intimidating place to go for Jonah. But God called him and he said, arise, go to Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to him. And the reason why the word of the Lord came to this prophet was because the wickedness of Nineveh was great. The wickedness was great. He told Jonah to arise and go and he told him that the reason why he was sending him into Nineveh was because of the wickedness that had gotten his attention. Oh, America, oh, America. 
America, America. You think God is taking note on what's going on in America? You think it's gotten God's attention? God is aware of what's done in the dark. God is aware of the pedophile rings. God is aware of who went to Epstein's Island. God is aware. He is aware. And what's his response? I want you to get this. This is the grace of God. His response is not to bring down the brimstone and the fire. His response is to call a man to go and to cry against it. I cried tears today because America's pulpit is lacking men like this. I'm thankful we have one here. I'm thankful for that, Pastor. I really am. But as I was talking to a friend in minister, uh, a friend from who's been in ministry yesterday for a good hour and a half, he's a good friend of mine from seminary, and he was saying, I just can't find a church near me. He, he comes from the same background I did, and a church environment where the gifts are neglected, the Holy Spirit isn't spoken about, the and uh, he was saying he was just he was tired of being a part of dead churches where there's good people, good men, good teachers, but not spirit filled men of God who will boldly preach the word of God and cry against the sins of the day. Nineveh was a wicked city. The Assyrians were wicked people, but God loved Nineveh. God loved every man, woman, boy or girl that was in Nineveh. The grace of God. I want us to just get this in our mind because I, I know many of you like me, I've been frustrated as I've watched America go down the drain and it's caused me to have a distaste towards certain people, if I'm honest. But God convicted me again today when I read these verses once again. God, his response to the wickedness of Nineveh was not judgment right away. It was grace. I'm going to send him. I'm going to raise up a man of God who's going to come and give you an opportunity to repent. Who's going to cry against the sins of your nation. Who's going to trumpet. And, and you notice God didn't say to, to Jonah, go into the city and just set up a soapbox and take a survey and see what the people want to hear. He said, go and cry against it. The sin, their sin. Their wickedness. You see, the Assyrians, their brutality was legendary. They were cruel people. They were known to impale their enemies on stakes in front of the towns and hang their heads on, on trees in the king's gardens, palace. And, and, and they were known to torture their captives, uh, men, women, and children. And I was thinking about this. We live in a country where now they're, they're wanting to be lawful for the, the state to kidnap your children if they want to reassign their gender. This is probably going to get pulled down off of 
YouTube, I'm sorry, but I'm going to preach God's word. I'm going to tell you something. We live in a day, a wicked day, where they're mutilating children before they're able to drive a, a motor vehicle. This is, I'm telling you, what, there is nothing new under the sun, folks. There is nothing new under the, wickedness and evil is always, is always going to be the same. And so the Assyrians, they, they, would, they didn't care if it was women or children. They would mutilate them in war. They would hack off their noses, their ears, their fingers, gouging out their eyes or tearing off their lips and hands. They, they reportedly covered city walls with the skins of their victims. What they were saying is, don't mess with us. Don't mess with the Assyrians. They would massacre people. Then burn many at the stake. The massive piles of skulls. This is all you can read this in historic, in, in, in book history books outside of the Bible. The, the 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 brutality of the Assyrians was something of legend. And God says to Jonah, Go cry against it. Go in there. I've seen the wickedness. What was he saying? Go preach to them of a coming judgment. These people who were relentless and persistent in their sins, who had no thought of God, no fear of God, God still loved them and showed grace to them in raising up a man to go. And I want you to think about this picture. I read one commentary that said the equivalent of this would be a, a Jew during Hitler's Germany, and God calling him and saying, go, preach to the Nazis. I want you to get this. This is, this is see, God's amazing grace. Cry against it, he said. God always sends a man before he sends judgment, he always gives an opportunity for repentance to the guilty before, so that he can display his mercy. That's the God we serve. Isn't he, a, isn't he an awesome God? And I want this to sink home tonight. Jonah's call God's call in Jonah's life was to go to the worst of the worst and give opportunity for them to repent. Let me remind you, God has called us to go to our world too. To the worst of the worst. Hey, so often we judge people. We say they're too far gone. They're too, there's no way he'll listen to me. There's no way that person will repent. There's no way that God will use me to bring that person to him. I'm telling you, so often we miss the most receptive and the most ready, those who would come if we would just go. I just want to just stay there for a moment because I was on the phone today with a man who we met in the parking lot. A few years ago, he was living in his car, and um, 
he's going through a really difficult time right now. His daughter just passed away of a fentanyl overdose. Talk to him today. And when we met him, he was struggling with alcoholism and he, he had nowhere to go. He was in the parking lot and we, you know, we had to go out and because we have to, of course, protect the, the women here and work in the office. And I remember talking to him that day and, and uh, just trying to be gracious to him. And he ended up coming to church and he got baptized here in this baptistry. And uh, he, he'd been coming for a while, but he's moved to Arizona. And um, he was telling me today how he's so grateful for this church and how he's, uh, whenever he's in town, he's here. I think he was at men's Bible study last night. But God was just reminding me, like, the way that God loves people, the way that he reaches out to people, the grace that he extends, that should be how we live. I mean, we'll be to God that the people of the world would know that these who name the name of Jesus Christ, they, they're known for their love for one another and for others. Their grace and their, <laughs> their love for people. Jonah's call was to go to Nineveh. He was to go to that great city and he was to cry against it. He was to preach. But I want you to see Jonah's response. Jonah's, Jonah's going to reject the call of God on his life. Look at verse number three. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah flees. <laughs> he flees from the call of God. And why did Jonah make this decision? Why did Jonah not want to obey God? And there's, there's a lot of speculation that we can make, but maybe it was because Nineveh was Nineveh. <laughs> they, were, they were ruthless. It, it would be a difficult place. It would not be an easy thing. He'd be either mocked or murdered in his human standpoint. But he, what Jonah didn't know, we're going to see later on, is that God was already working. Do you understand that when God calls you to do something, he's going to enable you? And he's going to, he's already, work, we just saying it tonight, even when we don't see it, he's working. This is not some cliche thing. This is not just some, some trite statement that we make as Christians, believers. God is working. Just like when uh, the children of Israel were, were going to go into the land and they went to Jericho, the most fortified city. And what did the, what did the people say? The people have heard about your, the exploits of your God way back in Egypt. And these men, they, their hearts have already melted within them. You don't know about that, that alcoholic neighbor whose heart is already being melted within them. Maybe his wife just left. Maybe his kids are rebelling. You don't know what God is doing, how he's working already. All we have to do is obey the word of the Lord. The results are up to him. I've known if I take care of my obedience to God, he will take care of the results. 
If I stay right with him and I stay within his will, he'll take care of, of what needs to be done. But Jonah, he rejects. We don't know. Maybe he didn't want the Ninevites to have the opportunity to repent. Could be that he had a hatred towards them. I'm going to leave that there for a moment. There's some people I know that if they were in front of you on fire, you wouldn't throw water on them. That's not right. That's not the spirit of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not trying to beat us up tonight because, you know, we've all been there. Our, this would have been one of Jonah's mortal enemies, maybe. They killed someone he loved. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but for some reason, he did not want to go to Nineveh and obey the Lord. And tonight, there are some people right now, under the sound of my voice, maybe watching online, who you are in straight rebellion to God. He's told you to do something, and you don't want to do it. Whatever your reasoning may be, let me tell you, it doesn't turn out well. Whatever our reasoning may be to go the other direction in rebellion when God tells us to go one way, it, it, it won't end well. So Jonah flees. And not only does he flee, he's going to go to the furthest point in the known world to him. <laughs> He's going to go to the, this is, this was believed to be the furthest point of the known world to Jonah. He said, I'm going all the way to Tarsus. What's the furthest point from here? Australia. <laughs> this, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that far, but he was going to go as far as he could away from the will of God. How many of you guys know people like that? They want to be far away. That's, lot, that's why a lot of people avoid church. They don't want to be anywhere near God. They think they're getting away from him. But is there anywhere that we can go where God isn't? It's foolish. And you think Jonah knew that as a prophet? Yeah. But he still went down to Joppa, bought a ticket. <laughs> he bought a ticket. So he paid a price. I want you to get this. This was not a cheap ticket. To go to Tarshish, on this chartered boat would have been very expensive for him. But I guess in his mind, maybe he surmised, well, I have the money God has provided. <laughs> you know, people like that who just, they want to do something and they're going to make it happen. They're going to justify it in their minds. We've all been there. God, if this light turns green, I know I'm supposed to. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like Jonah knew what God said. He, he heard clearly what God had said. And he went to the opposite direction. Nineveh was about 550 miles north from where Jonah was, Joppa. Then to Tarshish was completely, as far as he could go, west. And um, the Bible says that he found the ship, he paid the fare, and he went down into it. I want you to get this picture. When you flee from, the, from God, when you are running from his will, you will always be on a downward spiral. I don't care how successful you are. When you get out of the will of God, and when you are in rebellion to God, 
you will be heading downward. I was thinking about this, and I don't know if I'm wrong for thinking this way. I just, I can't reconcile in my mind how Christians today, we seemingly, we want to congregate in these cities that we call refuges, you know, places where there's not the crime or there's not the, the liberals or there's not the, listen to me for a moment, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> when God has told us to go to every creature, one of the things I noticed when I was planning a church is that, you know, a lot of the guys on deputation, very few of them were going into inner cities where the most dense populations, you know, because it was hard there. There was crime. There was transient nature. I mean, it was, it was not easy. I think when I was on deputation to plant a church, there was like 12 church planters going to Texas, the Bible Belt, where there's a church almost on every corner. <laughs> Listen to me. And I'm like, Is, are you sure God called you to go to Katy, Texas? There's like a church around the corner, like are you sure? I didn't say it. I was just thinking it. But just one of, you know, one or two of us going to LA, you know, 4.3 million people. You know, there's churches there, but not like in the South on the Bible Belt where every corner there's a church. And I've come to believe that maybe we have gotten as Christians because we've been so comfortable for so long, because we've been just kind of lulled to sleep in this culture of affluence and, and, and prosperity and lavish lifestyles that we just, we aren't hearing the call of God. We're seeing where, oh, where is it going to be the path of least resistance? Where is the best school system? So my, I don't necessarily have to homeschool my kids because I don't want to do that. Or I'm just, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overstepping it, but I don't know if this is what God has for us. For all of us to live this safe, comfortable Christianity. Sometimes God will call us to go to Nineveh. He'll call us to go into the, the, the mouth of the beast. He'll call us to do things that will make us have to depend on him. I was thinking about Jim Elliott and how he and several other men boarded a plane to known cannibal tribes as missionaries. But they knew that God had called them. When people said that they were crazy, that they would die. You know what Jim Elliott and the other men said? We already died before we, we got on this plane. Listen to me. <laughs> and sure enough, when they landed, that tribe, they came out with spears and they, they, they did light work of Jim and his, his partners in ministry. But I want you to know the rest of the story. <laughs> Sometime later, Another missionary group came back, and this time, instead of spears, they were waiting for them. And, they, and those missionaries led the, pretty much the whole uh, village, the whole uh, tribe of people to Christ. And I'm telling you, uh, I can tell you stories after stories like that, where it takes men and women being willing, being ready, no matter what God calls them to do, to go and be obedient to God. And you say, that's not a good story. I don't want a spear going through me. I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. Listen, he's in heaven. Jim is doing better than you right now. I promise you. Listen. Listen, sometimes it takes bloodshed. This sounds crazy, but 
You and I are saved because of blood that was shed for us. You're, you're living in a nation that was founded because men and women thought it worthy to shed blood for our freedoms. And I want you to get this. If you aren't willing to die for your faith, you're not where you should be right now. And if I'm not willing, I'm telling you, I was reading a story about the evangelist who recently got shot in the head preaching on the street and young family. Thank God he's pulling through. He's come out of the coma and, and, and I've been praying for him. But I bet you that that man isn't going to stop preaching. I bet you if I can interview him, I wish I could talk to him. He says, I bet you what he say to me tonight is this, the first time that I'm able to have the strength to stand out there and preach the gospel again, I will. And I want us to get this tonight. You are either in rebellion tonight or you are in the will of God. You're either rejecting God's call on your life or you're running into it. Jonah at this point, he's trying to flee as far away as he could. He's paid the fare. I want you to get this tonight. There will always be a ship that you can get on. There will always be a way out. There will always be a way that you can escape. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. It's going to be expensive. When you run away from the Lord, you're never going to get to where you're going. You're, ne you're never going to have peace, fulfillment, the joy that comes with being in the will of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Being in the will of God sometimes is harder than, <laughs> than you can imagine. Don't get me wrong. But there is where his supernatural grace is found. There is where the peace of God is found. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. It's uncomfortable to live for the Lord. But it's worth it. He goes, he gets on the boat, and he goes down into it. He, and we're going to see in the days ahead that he thinks that he's going to get away from the presence of God. And God's going to meet him there on that ocean. <laughs> Let me tell someone tonight, maybe you're fleeing from God. Maybe you're outside of the will of God in your, in your life in some way, in your marriage, in the way that God has called you to live. Let me encourage you right now, repent, turn back tonight. Say, God, I know you call me to be this type of husband. I know you call me to be this type of father. I know you call me to be this type of Christian. I've known you call me, you call me to do, you fill in the blank, and I have not been doing that. And God, I'm going to lay down my rebellious heart at your feet once again, and Lord, have your way with me. And watch what God will do. Watch how God will restore. And um, one of the things I want us to get as we study through this book is that we do serve the God, we're going to see it pretty soon, the God of the second chance. We're going to see later on, I can't wait to preach it. It says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. <laughs> you may think tonight that you've blown it, that God won't use you, that he's done with you, that isn't the truth. If you repent, God, he is faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you and to put you back 
where he wants you. He, he still has a will for you. He still has a plan for you. If you're still breathing tonight, God's not done with you. God's not done with you.